This episode is brought to you by PitchDMM, the football fan app that gives fans a voice and allows you to rate your team, the players, and pick your formation and your squad in real time, every game, and compete with your mates. Have fun whilst generating a voice that will be listened to. Your club, your voice, be heard. Get it now on Google Play and download it on the Apple App Store. You are listening to an official podcast from Kings of Europe, your football link to the European Super Leagues. Welcome to the Kings of Europe, and tonight we're taking a special trip for everyone. We are going to the peninsula. That's right, down south, the peninsula. Italy, Italia, Calcio. We are still in the Mercato, but we are only a few short days out from the start of the 2018-19 Serie A campaign. It's going to be some Calcio, and it's going to be glorious. And uh, we have one of my favorite guests and an expert himself on everything and anything Italian football. Uh, I have my my good friend Richard Carmen from the uh, Serie A sit down. Richard, how you doing tonight? I'm doing very well this evening. Uh, it's uh, it's a hot, balmy night in DC, but I'm doing well. How are you? Doing very well in this uh, humidity of South Carolina, the swamp that uh, I live in. Um, it is luckily next to the ocean, so we get that ocean breeze, but. Uh, it doesn't doesn't always help. It is a a hot, sticky, humid mess, and something that's about to get hot is uh, last two weeks. Uh, well, actually, excuse me, last three weeks of Mercato, as well as the start of a new Serie A campaign. So, you know, your team and my team, obviously, we are uh, both with uh, rivals here in both the Bundesliga and. In Serie A, we just, uh, it's amazing that you and I are such good friends, but uh, because we should be blood enemies. <laughs> but but our teams, our, our clubs were very active. Uh, both, uh, I guess you could say Dortmund, Schalke, as well as AC Milan and Inter. All four of them were very active, but tonight we're going to focus on the two Milan clubs especially. And of course, we're going to talk about the transfer that no one will stop talking about. That is... Some guy from Portugal going to some club in Italy. Don't know either of them. We'll talk about it, though. And we'll talk a little bit about one of the biggest managerial hires in Europe this season. That being Carlo Ancelotti replacing Sari, Maurizio Sari at Napoli. So we're going to talk a little bit about what that means for them in the league as well as Europe. But at this time, real quick, do you want to talk a little bit real quick about our new partner, uh, www.goldmouthscramble.net. Uh, George Bennett, he's been on quite a few times. 
the show himself did a World Cup preview with uh, yours truly and Richard. So, uh, Richard, you've uh, uh, become well acquainted with George over the, uh, the last few months. He is an uh, official sponsor and partner of the show, as well as uh, the Fields of Anfield Road podcast. So uh, we are partnering with him right now at this time. And uh, if you guys go over there, his uh, blog is up and running. It covers everything European football. They even cover the League of Ireland. Yeah, that's how deep they go on that football blog. So uh, Serie A, uh, Premier League, Bundesliga, La Liga, everything is uh, covered on www.goldmouthscramble.net. Uh, please do give it a look and you know give George some love. Also on the Facebook page, uh, he posts all the articles there as well. And on Twitter, still under the old name, at GB Articles. Uh, so I'm assuming they'll change that pretty soon, but that's where you can find them on Twitter. Richard, let's jump right into this bad boy. Shall we? Excellent. So let's talk first about um, let's talk about Juventus. They were they were very active this summer, uh, and they made some big splashes. Uh, the the we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but now that we are actually talking calcio officially, we're talking nothing but Serie A. Let's 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 talk about this Cristiano Ronaldo move and what this means for Serie A, but more importantly, what it means for Juventus. Do you think first off that that this move, it, it's kind of like uh, LeBron to the Lakers. It's like everyone thinks it's great because you're getting a superstar, but does that not put immense pressure? Like before, if Juve won the Scudetto and they finished as runners up in Europe, it was a massive accomplishment. But now, if you talk, if you talk to any Juve fan, it's Champions League or bust. If we don't win the Champions League, the season is a failure. That's right. a very tall order. To say that about your club, there can only be there's so many great clubs in Europe, and only one of them can 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 lift the uh, the big year trophy. Do do you really believe that it's it's Champions League or bust for Juventus? Uh, I would think with the signings of both uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and now Leonardo Bonucci, it seems like it is Champions League or bust because um, they've had the Scudetto now seven years in a row running. Uh, the one thing they don't have, and quite frankly, Inter and in Milan both have are Champions Leagues. Uh, her name and, and recently too and so uh juventus are you, if, if you watched her netflix documentary um that's all they're talking about is champions league champions league so i think it is uh you know champions league or bust for the next i'll say two two seasons um and then then you're gonna see some uh i don't know what you're gonna see after that but uh it's, it's champions league or bust for sure well, the last uh, their their losing streak in champions league finals started in 1997 when a little team from the Ruhr in Germany, called Borussia Dortmund, beat them. <laughs> so uh, I like talking about that game. That '97 Champions League final was quite, quite the uh, the day for for a young critty back in back in the uh, 1997 there. <laughs> but um, no, they they've been they 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 last won it in '96. So we're talking uh, how many Olympics ago is that? How many World Cups ago is that? That's a long time ago. France had no stars on their uh, national team kit at that point in time. That's how far back we have to go. Uh, yeah. Zidane was playing for Juventus uh, the last time they won the Champions League, in fact. So, you know, this is... To win a Champions League, very few clubs actually have done so, and very few clubs will actually get the chance. I, I just find that... Um, I, find, I find it rather... That's kind of putting the pressure on yourself because it's one thing for the media to say, well, if you don't win the Champions League, then, then we, we deem you as failures. But the, the, the supporters and the club are, are seemingly going right along with that notion. So to me, you're adding a lot of pressure on yourself. So, so 
you know, the, the, the odd match against Kievo or Empoli doesn't even matter. All that matters is beating Bayern, uh, beating uh, Real Madrid, beating Barcelona, beating Liverpool, beating Man- Manchester City. That's, you know, is it even, is, does it, let me ask you this. He signed a four-year contract. What if it doesn't happen until year three? Are they going to be patient enough to let the process play out, so to speak? Depends on how they do in the Champions League. I think. I think if they go to the finals and it's close, then yeah, they'll hang on. But if they if they don't even make like the semifinals or, or the finals, uh, definitely not after two years they don't make the finals. Then I, I they're going to be worrying. He might be going somewhere else and maybe trying to offload him. Who knows? But uh, they're going to have to have some kind of progress and or at least equal to what they did before and get to the finals. Um, this team, with the additions that they have, they are more than capable of winning. But you know, sometimes it comes down to managerial tactics and and how the players handle the against Real, Real Madrid twice now that uh, they could not handle the pressure. Uh, very true. They seemingly had them as, as their, their their kryptonite, if you, if you will. And of course, uh, Bayern beat them uh, miraculous. That, that, that was that was a great fixture back in 2015-16. Bayern were down two goals at home. Uh, Thomas Müller ended up scoring the equalizer in the 89th minute, and then it was basically Bayern just destroyed them from that point on as uh, we went into extra time because I think uh, Thiago scored the go-ahead goal. Uh, either that or he scored the 4-2, but basically Bayern just kind of uh, blew him away. And, and um, that was the, uh, uh, the, the in-between uh, Champions League finals for, for Juventus. And, of course, Real Madrid uh, really just beat the hell out of them uh, two years ago. It wasn't even close. It wasn't, I mean, you know, Mandzukic had the wonder goal, but um, I, I agree with you. I think that something needs to happen here, but let's talk about one more thing here with them. Emre Chan, how do you see him fitting in this squad? Is he, is, is he your replacement for, uh, who, who, let me just ask, for Kadira? Is, he, is, is Sammy Kadira on his way out or is going to be significantly reduced? Is that why they got Chan was to replace Kadira? Alvida's in Kadira. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely for him. Um, he Kadira has been a great player throughout his career, but he's it's what has shown in the Champions Leagues is that uh, with his younger players that are so fast, he can't keep up pace wise. Yeah, he has the intelligent intelligence, but um, the pace he cannot keep up, and that's been a big kryptonite for for Juventus in these in these tournaments where they lose because it's Kadira. I mean, Pjanic Pjanic does does his thing. Matuidi, as they added last year. He's good enough to, to handle this kind of pace, but Kadira, he just can't keep up. And uh, Marquezio, he's getting up there in age, and he's not good enough right now, you know, to to get them where they need to be. And so Emery Chan, he's younger, uh, he's a very good player, and he play, plays for the national team for for Dimanchev. So, um, yeah, I think it's gonna he's gonna replace uh, Kadira, and I think Kadira will probably move on to who knows where, but um, it won't be Juventus. Uh, Richard, this um, Leonardo Bonucci, this this guy, right? He comes crawling. He comes crawling back. He comes <laughs> crawling back after one year with the uh, the Milanisti. He comes crawling back home, and and you got to say, overall, Bonucci was a failed experiment at Milan. Uh, we, I think, he was kind of exposed because playing next to Chiellini really helped him out, and I think it kind of covered up some of his weaknesses when he was at Milan. It really exposed him for not being quite as world class as we thought he was. So now he goes back to Juve uh, a year later, and he's going to be playing next to an older Chiellini. Uh, Asamoah is gone. He's at Inter. So 
what do you expect from Bonucci this season? Is it just going to be picking back up where you left off in 16-17? Or do you think that, that, that Juve's defense is going to take a step back? Um, I don't think he'll take a step back necessarily because, I mean, he's, he's an upgrade from Berzali, in my opinion, as much as he's good. And he's better than Benatia and, and Rugani and it would have been Caldara if he was there. But right. um, is he going to be at the same world-class level that he was before? I don't think so, at least not in the beginning. Maybe by the end of the season, if you know both he and, and Chiellini are fully healthy, I can see that. Um, the way that Max Allegri structures his defensive team, um, they're going to be stout. So that'll, that'll give him more some, you know, he'll be very comfortable in this in that in that situation. And he and he's more the playmaker. He's the passing the ball downfield, um, while Keelan is a shutdown guy. So he needs that complimented guy. And it, it was unfair to him really because in Milan he struggled in the beginning. Romagnoli was playing poorly. They didn't know who to, you know, they had started with the three three central defenders in the back with Musacchio, and they didn't know what they were doing. So um, Bonucci's game didn't didn't improve for Milan last season until Romagnoli came around, and then he actually became the best defender on that team. So I, the verdict's still out with Bonucci, but I think yeah, towards the end of the season he'll be back to close to what he was before. I don't think he'll be the same as I think. I think he's maybe lost some confidence. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's it's hard for me at least to to say something bad about him because I I've heard different stories from him. I mean, obviously the story is you know he's going back with his tail between his legs, right? Right, but. I've heard other stories where you know something that his like his kid is sick and something about his wife and then, so he had to say in the, he had to say in Italy and the only team that could afford him was Juventus so I can see I, I I'm gonna hold back from you know making fun of him too much just because if those stories are true you know you don't want to make fun of him because of that but no. um, it's there though you know I mean he's going back and his tail he, he even said himself you know I'm gonna sit there and and, and do what I'm told and told what told you know by Max Allegri or whoever so. Uh, so last thing on Juventus, uh, there is there there's this one player that that is that is obviously he's the face of the club. He's the he's the most famous player and probably the greatest player to ever play for Juventus in their history, and he is no longer between the sticks. Does the absence of the possibly the greatest goalkeeper of all time does this hurt Juventus this season? Is there going to be because Gigi Buffon could probably get you an extra 10 points just by himself, just because of his awareness and some of the saves that he makes. Is is this going to be, in that position, a step back for Juventus? I, I'm, I'm, I, I do not believe that they will replace him one for one. Oh, you, you can't. His charisma and personality goes above and beyond anybody, really. Um in the league, it's not. They're not going to take a step back. It's in, in European competitions, in the big games where he's going to, where you're going to miss him because he was a common influence in the locker room. Um, he had that aura about him that other teams, you know, they just feared because they, they're like, oh, I'm facing Buffon. Sure, he's 40 years old or whatever, um, but they, 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 all they're thinking is this is one of, one of the greatest goalkeepers ever, and I got to face again. So it gets in their head for the opponents. So uh, now the opponents don't have that have to worry about. It. They got Chesney and then Mattia Perin when he eventually comes in. Yes, they're they're viable options, but they're not. They don't have the they don't carry the the weight that Buffon did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to uh, AC Milan. We're going to talk a little bit about them. But, oh, wait a second. So projected finish for Juventus. I have them finishing uh, first. I don't. I have them winning the Scudetto. I have them uh, advancing to the semifinals of the Champions League, and it wouldn't surprise me if they did not win the Coppa Italia this year but I do in the two big competitions I do have them going out in the final four 
and I have them winning uh, an eighth straight Scudetto. I have them getting relegated. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be great. Calciopoli, Calciopoli, Calciopoli. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I, I too have Juventus winning. I mean, it's hard not to pick them with um, Ronaldo and then uh, obviously Bonucci. Uh, more so Ronaldo, obviously. But um, I think they're going to win their eighth Scudetto in a row. Uh, I hope, I'm hope i hoping it's going to be a much closer race. I mean, last year was very close. But yeah. I hope in this year we have like maybe three, four teams that are close there and make it really interesting. Uh, as far as Champions League goes, I think they're going to get to the Champions League finals. I don't think they'll win it. I mean, it depends on who they, who they play against, obviously. But uh, I can see them going to the finals of the Champions League just because Max Allegri is a tactician. He Their team is stacked. And that doesn't even include Ronaldo. And then add him there. Um, who knows what he can do? And I mean, if they do win the Champions League, what kind of what does that say about Ronaldo winning four straight Champions League titles and with two different clubs? So it's that's crazy. Um, says a lot about him, and that 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 probably puts him right up there in that goat status. And yeah. uh, you know, to do that with with yeah, it it, it really it would really it would really set the bar very high. And I think I think you'd almost have to consider that. Um, the Messi Ronaldo debate might be over at that point. But moving on to AC Milan, a club near and dear to your heart. Uh, you guys are a fascinating bunch because last summer you spent like uh, half of the Sheik's money and <laughs> it got you absolutely nowhere. It did not even end up getting. It got you, us in Europa League, <laughs> which you then got bounced from, which you didn't, which you then got bounced from. So last season, obviously. Uh, Chanalolu comes over, um, uh, Rod- um, uh, Rodriguez from um, Wolfsburg comes yep. over, uh, big name signings all, all across the board. Um, let's see, I'm try- I don't have the notes Bonu- in front of me from last yeah, Bonucci, summer. Bonucci, Bonucci came Silva. over, right, Andrea Silva, right. Um, Jesse, Conti. Yes, exactly. So uh, a big, big spending, a lot of big names, uh, some of those names. Uh, obviously still with the team, some of them not. Some of them only lasted a single season. Uh, not midway through, um, about a third of the way through the season, you hire Gutuzo to replace um, Mont- uh, Montello. Yep. Montella. And uh, basically, that sparked, not immediately, but uh, a couple weeks later, sparked a nice win streak that got you guys back in contention for the European spots, uh, even the Champions League, you guys weren't that far away. And then it went right back downhill again. So you guys, in the meantime, I believe, made Gattuso the permanent hire, and you gave him an extension. Then on top of that, this summer, we spend a little bit more. So you got, um, obviously, the biggest one is Gonzalo Higuain on loan from Juventus. This is a guy that I think is pretty necessary for you because what Milan was lacking last season was the ability to knock these chances in that you created. Exactly. I had this guy of this, this fucking idiot, Kalinic out there, and he was a complete waste of space. So you got rid of him. He's out. You guys just sold him. That was a good piece of business. And it's, it's actually addition by subtraction, if you will. <laughs> exactly. Um, he also made an ass of himself at the World Cup and got sent home. So would have been in the World Cup final, by the way, but you know who cares, right? Um, so let, let's talk. First of all, there's so much to talk about with the squad. I mean, just so, so no Europa League. Um, for the listeners, explain why you guys are not in the Europa League, even though you qualify for it. Well, actually, 
that's to be determined. Um, so we we qualified for the Europa League to the the outright to the group stages because Milan finished in sixth place. Right. Um, however, because of financial fair play, they got booted from from the from Europa League. Now Milan has uh, um, appealed that and they got reinstated um, recently. Uh, but it was looking like you know at that time when when Milan got booted because of financial fair play. Most of the stuff is because of what Berlusconi did in in, in his just before he left, uh, the, the outrageous spending he did. Uh, but so they got booted out. Then all of a sudden, Atalanta got the automatic uh, Europa League spot, and then Fiorentina actually jumped into Europa League spot. But uh, Milan did have an appeal. Um, the only reason they won their appeal is because Elliott Management took over and and assured the I guess UEFA or whoever was uh, the governing board that was looking on this that was saying that look we got this club stable again. So they allowed him to come back into Champions League uh, outright, but it was for a while. Whoa, 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 whoa! You said Champions League. You, I you mean, mean Europa League. Yeah, I mean, hold up, hold up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get that shit right. There's only one in uh, Milan team in the Champions League, and we'll get to them later. But anyway, <laughs> um, so explain also how that works out. Now, what is the situation with Fiorentina and Atalanta as it pertains to their 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 um, the, the moving up, so to speak, when Milan was out. So at, when when Milan was out, Atalanta got the automatic got, automatically got to go to the group stages. Didn't have to play any qualifiers to get into Europa League. But Fiorentina had to play that those playoffs. Um, but then when Milan got reinstated, Fiorentina got the shaft and they got kicked out. And then Atalanta was for, were forced to play um, a Europa League playoff game, which they did a couple weeks ago and they won that. Um, but or I think it was last week actually. But um, yeah, it, it was just hectic for a while because it, it it wasn't involving just Milan. It was three teams. Um, and ultimately, Fiorentina got the got the cold shoulder. It's, that's uh, terrible for the Laviola, but um, maybe not so much. Maybe they, I mean, I, they really they didn't earn it. So you know, I, I can't really feel feel sorry for them. But let, um, let's talk about some other uh, transfers you guys had. Um, so Caldara from Juventus for thirty five million, right? Uh, yes. Uh, so let, how how do you how's that how's that going to fit in with you, with uh, Milan? I think it'll fit well because what you what you potentially have is a starting back line from for Italy. Uh, when you have uh, Andrea Conti on the right back, then you have Caldara and Romagnoli in the center, and then you got Calabria on the left. That's potentially Conti still has to come back from injury, and you know got to, you have to move some pieces around. Caldara is um, they rated him as equal price to Bonucci, both being thirty five million, so mm-hmm. it's an equal swap. Caldara has the potential. He's not he's not elite level. He has the potential. That's why that's why the money is so high. Um, I think he he'll complement Romagnoli very very well. Caldara is a as a center back that can score. Uh, so I can see him starting. I mean I I've always loved Musacchio, but he's never got his fair share. But I think Caldara and Romagnoli will make a perfect um, backline complement to each other. And this could be a, back, a formidable back four for a long time if things pan out the way they expect it to. As it pertains to Europa League, do you think it was? Do you think it might have been better if you guys had missed out so you could focus on the league? Because uh, obviously, Inter last season would have probably not qualified for the Champions League if they had to play in three competitions. I think it benefited them immensely, especially in the first half of the season when Juventus and Napoli and all those teams were playing Champions League, and Inter was quietly only playing the occasional. Well, actually, the Coppa Italia, they didn't start playing that till much later because of the way that tournament's formatted. So they really only played every weekend, once a weekend. And I think Inter jumped out to actually the lead. They were actually um, the... Yeah, they started hot. 
Very hot. And they were in they they were actually for about three or four weeks in a row, they were they were top in the table in, in yep. Italy. So would, would this do you think the Europa League may actually be to you, you Milan's detriment? Yeah, I mean the, the realists, the Milan fans that are realists, they all said that and I was part of that saying, you know, it's best that they miss they miss Europa League so that way they can focus like you guys did last year on just a league and and get to maybe a Champions League spot or you know just get their game in order don't get you know ragged out by all the all the games you have to play and get tired um that didn't happen i mean obviously Europa League gets you more money it doesn't get you Champions League money but it gets you money so i mean there is the benefit i can see the benefit to that so i would have liked them to miss it and then you know make a good hard push for the Champions League but i mean we'll see what happens what i'm hoping for is that we'll get some good rotation and maybe Cutrone will get some Europa League time because he he's been he was one of the one of the highlights of the of the season last year because he came out of nowhere and he became a double digit scorer right away and he's only 19 years old so um, hopefully he'll get more time but we'll we'll see I mean it's it's uh it's definitely interesting it's always interesting with Milan yeah so let's talk a quick about the manager so Montella gets uh, sacked uh, Gattuso comes in Gattuso is obviously one of the greatest players to ever play for the Rossoneri. At the same time, though, I have my doubts as as it pertains to him being the manager for the long term for this club. It 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 um, in the aspect of if I'm a neutral as a, as a Interisti, I'm very happy if he goes there and fails. Uh, that that's uh, uh, great. <laughs> I'm just kidding though. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, I don't I, I don't want Milan to drop too far out because I know they are important for the league and and at the end of the day, it's all about you know keeping Serie A relevant. So. The point is that I am not sure how great a tactician he is. I'm not sure he's much more than a motivator and or um, kind of not not a cheerleader to say, but you know, a guy who can rev the engines when they need to be. But I don't know if it's if there's any sustainability with Gattuso at manager. Now this will be his first full season. This is his first. Uh, this was his first offseason to have a, a full mercato and uh, obviously training. But the, I, I've, I, I'm sure that you have your skepticism about this uh, ordeal with Gattuso being the, the manager and, and the person that the club picked for the interim to be the long-term uh, solution on the touchline. Absolutely. I mean, it's it, there's no denying it that he... I'll say this. He's a better tactician than people give him credit for. He's not a good one, but he's better than people give him credit for. Because I, I, I study what he did, his performances at other clubs before he joined Milan. And while they weren't the greatest, he did have. He was very flexible in his in his formations. And uh, there was some trickery in there that um, helped his teams prevail in certain situations. So uh, he is better than people are given, than, 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 he, than people think he is. But with that said, he is. I don't think he is a long-term solution. I mean, I'd be... I'd be happy i'd be ecstatic if he proves me wrong and and somehow they they qualify for champions league with you know great tactics and whatnot and go far in the europa league or winning or something like that i'd be ecstatic but i honestly don't think i think like you said i, I don't think it's much more than a motivator and and like a, a player's coach you know someone that the team can rally around but how far can that take you when you get to the big games you know sometimes it, it does come down to tactics um you know you have a beautiful masterful tactician like allegri or or Ancelotti on one side, on one side, and then you got, you know, Gattuso. I mean, unless he's going to get on the pitch, I don't know what more he can do. Right, um, so. <laughs> right which he might. He might just end up. Uh, he might. Out. He might get a right. red card. But I mean, exactly. <laughs> so where do you uh, 
in the three competitions that Milan's playing in, where, where, how do you see how do you see them finishing up this season? All right, so who? The league is the hardest of of the bunch, I think, mm-hmm. because there's so many good teams now, and I mean, especially if Lazio keep Milinkovic Savic, uh, look out for them. So, who in the league? I think they're gonna struggle to try to get Champions League. I, I think they're gonna fall short again, unless unless Iguain, you know, hits pay dirt and he's, he's nailing in goals better than he did last year. Um, I I think it's like a fourth, fifth with them in the league. In Coppa Italia, I can see them get to the semifinals yep. if if the, if the the matches play out right. Um, but if they face like a big team like Inter or Juve uh, before the semis, they're not going to get there. Um, and then you're and then Europa League. Um, I'm quietly confident. It depends on how they get to how how quickly they gel together. The team is most of, most of the players from last year. There's only a couple guys need to work their way in. Um, so I you know last year they get to the round of 16 or whatever. You know, Maybe they get to the quarters or, or sorry, they got, what did they get last year? They, they get to the first knockout round. They're going to get yeah, to the second yeah. knockout round, I think. Um, and again, it depends who they play because Europa League is going to be a monster of a tournament. Last year's tournament was a brilliant one. And this year, I think it's going to be again because there's so many good teams in this in Europe. And it's hard not to play a good team. I mean, Dortmund was in, it was in Europa League last year. Arsenal was, you know, so. Atletico, uh, yeah. Atleti, yeah. So, so many good teams. Uh, Napoli too ended up being there, so um, yeah, it's gonna be a tough tournament. I think they'll, you know, I think they get to knock out stages, maybe the second round, but uh, that's about it, I think. So I have them finishing fifth in Serie A, uh, just okay. f- falling short. I actually, you and I in Italy, we align exactly correctly. I have them going to the semifinals of the Coppa Italia. I have them going fifth in the tournament. I actually, uh, excuse me, in the league. I actually believe that a that Milan will go to the uh, quarterfinals of the Europa League. I think that they will advance further than they did last season. Uh, they ran into uh, Arsene Wenger's Arsenal, and I, I think that. I, I really honestly believe most people thought that Milan would win that. And it just, they had some bad bounces go against them. Uh, it wasn't necessarily uh, that Arsenal were, were the better they side. Ran, they ran against some BS calls is what they ran against. Right, them. right, yeah. right. And that's what I mean by the ball bounced against them. Because yeah, it yeah. wasn't really so much that Arsenal outplayed them. The goal differential says they did. The goal, yes, di- exactly. I mean, Arsenal Arsenal blew them out. But it wasn't, it, it, it not all score lines are as they seem. So, um, for those just that, as just as Roma and Liverpool, right, in, in the Champions League semifinal. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, yeah, Al- Allison. Allison's bad day was at Anfield. Uh, that was that was where he yeah. and that that was a legit ass whooping. But um, yeah, I mean, so I, I think Milan uh, they w- they will not have a quote unquote bounce back year, but they will move forward. Now, I don't know how that pertains to Catuzo's future if fifth place is good enough. I do think with the spending of last season. And it's not like they took it easy on the wallet this season. Uh, I, I think the expectation has to be that Milan is well, how many years now? No Champions League, five, six uh, since two thousand seven. But oh, since since being in the tournament, you mean? Yeah, being in the tournament, uh, six years. It'll be six years this year, right? Which Inter just broke their six year drought uh, last season. So so Milan's now. Um, it's unbelievable to think that those th- that the Milan sides were all like a decade combined not being in Champions League. But let me say this: this Milan is heading in the right direction. What Elliot management has done, uh, bringing in Leonardo, who's been that's been the signing of the season for me because what he he's brought he's made all the chips come in, and then he brought back Maldini, which we thought as Milanisti that would never happen because Maldini won't won't join something unless he's completely confident in. It. And so I think Leonardo and and Elliot management what they've done are brilliant, and they're heading in the right direction. Yeah, but um, they're still not there, I think. Oh, Maldini played for AC Milan? 
Who, Leonardo? <laughs> no, I was joking. I said oh, Maldini. Oh, oh, oh. Maldini played for AC Milan. Oh, I think so. Uh, yeah, he um, bad night he had there in uh, May of 2005. Bad night for him. Um, did, that was uh, did, didn't he? He scored a goal in like the first minute against Liverpool, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. That was all, it was looked like it was about to be the highlight of his career, and it ended up being uh, the, the the actual probably the worst night of his of his career. But my TV went out at halftime. I don't remember. Oh yeah, well then <laughs> then you guys are uh, Champions League <laughs> Champions League winners. So let's move on to Napoli. Right. They they made some big moves. Uh, Maurizio Sarri, a uh, couple years there down there, built a silent but efficient product. They just always seem to lack the one or one or two players and the squad depth to finally do Juve in. They they were uh, table top of the table in the league for a long time. Uh, I mean, we're talking probably somewhere around ten to fifteen weeks before Juventus uh, took took the lead back in the late part of the season. Of course, then Napoli goes to Juventus Stadium, beats them. Um, yeah, Kaladuqalibali with that goal. Yeah, what exactly. Goal. They pulled it within one point, and then, if I'm not mistaken, I don't remember who it was, but they played like a relegation team the next week or somebody and lost, and yeah. it just it then then the wheels fell off, so to speak. So, what have they done now? So they 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 get a manager who has won multiple Champions Leagues. He is. Has something to prove because his last his last uh, position was a sacking at Bayern after a three 0 yeah. loss to Paris Saint Germain in the Champions League group stage. He had he got his ass handed to him in the Bundesliga. He was five points back of Dortmund in late September. Actually, and Bayern weren't. I don't think at that time Bayern were in second place. They were in third or fourth. So, yeah. um, his Bayern run is very forgettable. And he's the one Bayern manager in, since Jo Pinkis' first term. You have to go way back to like, uh, was it 2011 or 2012 or somewhere? Exactly. That Bayern did not make the semifinals of the Champions League. Uh, he was only able to get Bayern to the quarterfinals. And that's supposed to be his forte. That is exactly where Carlo Ancelotti uh, excels, is in these cup competitions. So, long story short, he's at Napoli. First and foremost, what do you see for Napoli with Ancelotti in charge? It's it's interesting because Ancelotti, I think, is a better tactician than Sarri. Sarri's fault, the reason why he didn't win is because he didn't rotate. Uh, in big games, he didn't know how to have a plan B. And when teams shut down their plan A, they were screwed. Um, so Ancelotti brings an upgrade in that position. But the big thing for me is their, st- their management styles are so yin and yang, so opposite of each other. Um, Sarri is, you know, beautiful football, passing, scoring. Ancelotti is like, you know, keeps everything in control, keeps it close. He plays to he he's built for the for the tournaments. Sarri is built for like you know, uh, just for beautiful for beautiful soccer, beautiful football. Ancelotti is more of like you know, like you said, he's won Champions Leagues and he's won a, a league title in five different countries or whatever, four different countries. So right, um, it's it's a big contrast there. But I think Ancelotti is going to bring confidence. I think is what he's going to bring to to the players and and to their fans because they're going to see okay they had they had to go with a big name because after Saudi where Saudi took them the only way to go, only way to improve is to bring in a big name manager if they had gone with a with a, a smaller name person or someone you never heard of what do the fans think what would the players think like oh you don't you don't trust us or what's what's going on so 
Uh, Ancelotti, he'll have, he'll have to work some magic because it's going to be hard, you know, with the teams in that league. And then, going, you know, in, in Champions League is trying to trying to do better than they did last year because last year, quite frankly, Napoli, you know, they shit the bed. So, uh, uh, but some people some people argue that that was intentional because they they were really focusing on the Scudetto, so they 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 held back in Europe. I think after they realized that they got their butt kicked by Manchester City, doing they're like, okay, we're not going to win this, so let's just get out of here quickly and and win the Scudetto or to go for the Scudetto. Yeah, so yeah, partly yes, but um, I know a lot of their fans were saying, hey, let's get out of the tournament, so we go focus on Scudetto. But hey, sometimes when the pressure gets too much, as we saw in the Scudetto race, you just cave in as well. So yep. Uh, so we'll talk about some of their transfers. Uh, I know it was they were talking talking about it last winter transfer last winter Mercato. They were trying to get. Uh, Simone Verdi from Bologna. He was uh, loyal to, I mean, just the Bologna. Lo- yeah, uh, uh, Bologna. I mean, he was uh, loyal. I, I don't want to say loyal to a fault because I don't want to make it sound like, you, you know, you have you have the Leon Goretzkas and the Max Myers of the world that are just shitheads, and then you have people like Ver- uh, Simone Verdi that 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 are, are loyal to a club that you know really he has no business being there. But uh, there's. The, the football yeah. the football romantic in me wants to believe that Boston Schweinsteiger can play it like Kaiser Slaughter and lead them back to the Bundesliga you know so <laughs> um, that, that's that's um, that's the big I would say that's probably would you agree that's probably the biggest name they got this uh, this Mercato this um, yeah I mean he's a two footed magician from free kicks I mean he can score with the right or left um, I mean he got some nice youngsters that potentially could do really well like I mean Yunus or Fabian Ruiz from Real Betis but Simone Verde is a, the top you know there and then they got a little jewel that I don't know if many people are going to give them credit for but I am Alex Merritt who's a young goalkeeper who they got from uh, Udinese um pay 22 million son. for him pay 22 million for him yeah yeah so I he's going to be their their number one for a while unless they get rid of him for some reason but yeah no I mean Verde Verde and Merritt for me so uh, the other thing is they lost Jorginho. He exited with Sari to Chelsea. Yeah. How big of a loss is that for Napoli? It's a huge loss. Um, he was their general. He did everything for them. Um, I mean, the influence he had not only for Napoli but also for for the Italian national team was immense. And they're going to miss him. That's kind of why they brought Fabian Ruiz in because they're hoping that he can bring some kind of semblance of that back. But Jorginho was just a general. Um, he was a perfect compliment for Alan too, because Alan was the workhorse. He was the box to box, and Jorginho uh, pulled yeah. all the strings. He was just a magician with on the ball, and uh, they're gonna miss him sorely. Um, so it's gonna be sad to see him, you know, go to England and and Chelsea. But uh, they're gonna have to move on, and I'm sure Ancelotti is gonna find a way to to load up that midfield and make it hard for the for the opponents. So they kept uh, obviously they 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 kept uh, Hamšík. Uh, they obviously have Dries Mertens still. Dries Mertens yep. had a pretty good World Cup. Um, how do you how do you see Mertens being used this season? Do you think you know he's uh, he's either what is he 30, 31? He's he's um or he's he's near thirty. He might be twenty nine. Um, yeah, I think it might be twenty nine. Twenty nine, right? He's he's getting close to thirty. Do you think that? And and this is this was the knock on Napoli last season is that they lost their legs towards the end of the campaign. They essentially got tired, they got gassed, and they did not have the squad depth to go. And Mertens took a huge, huge dive in form at the end of the season. Yes. So what do you, not, having, not having the legs at 28 or 29, what, what do we expect from him this season as he's a year older now and obviously 
Uh, Napoli still does not, obviously still doesn't have that, um, that illustrious trophy they've been going after since the days of Diego Maradona. What, what, is, what is Mertens uh, going to do this season? It's interesting. I, I do fully expect Ancelotti to rotate. Um, and with that, they got such an attacking... I mean, look look at their attackers, right? So the, the front three they had last year was Dries Mertens, uh, Lorenzo Insigne, and, and uh, Callejon, right? That's, that's an awesome front three. But, you know, don't forget they have uh, Arcadius Milik. And then now they got, I mean, Yunus. They got Simone Verde now. They got so much talent. What is Ancelotti going to do with all of them? I can definitely see... It's going to be hard to play left wing for Dries Mertens because that's what his favorite position is. But Lorenzo Insigne is just playing you know, the best football of his career. So it's going to be hard to pry him from there. And then, so I can see him also play that false nine wherever he was playing last year. But again, if Arkadio Schmilic is in fine form, where do you put him? Do you put him in the Trecortista? Uh, what do you do? Um, it's going to be, it's a dilemma. I don't know where to put him, honestly, because there's so much talent on there. And you can't, I mean, you can't put him in the left wing because Lorenzo Insigne, unless he's, he backs him up or you know plays you know one tournament and the other one plays the league or something like that. Uh, it's a tricky situation. I'm, as of right now, I would say he comes off the bench. I mean, I don't know where to put him. I mean, Simone Verdi, where are you going to put him too? You know. And I'm glad I, exactly. And I'm glad you brought up Insigne because that was the next guy I was going. You just talked about him because you can't talk about Napoli without talking about Insigne. Obviously, uh, one of the one of the big names for the Italian national team for the Azzurri uh, as well as Napoli. So and and, and yeah, you've got. There are some squad placement issues with this, with, with, with for, for Ancelotti to figure out. Yeah, and they got young players at midfield too, so it's they got a lot of depth now. Uh, they just have to use it. They didn't, they didn't use it last year. Now they got to use it. But how how is Ancelotti going to implement all this? Um, he has the ego that you know the guys won't fight him too much. He'll be like, look, I've won in the past. That's all he has to say. Yeah, I have. Look, I have so many uh, Champions League titles. So they'll buy in, I think, especially in the, in the beginning. But um, you know, if they start dropping in the table or something, I can see them losing, seeing him lose the team as he did with Byron. Yeah. So predicted finish for Napoli. Uh, for for myself, I have them finishing this season third in the league. I think that they will advance to the Coppa Italia semifinals. So now we have two of the semifinalists already. We have Milan and Napoli, and I think that they will make it to the round of sixteen in the Champions League. I don't think they get very. I don't think they get much further than that. I think that they obviously. Um, they they want they they have aspirations to advance past the group stage, which they didn't do last year. But I don't know that this season. I, I think if they're if they need to give Ancelotti, I think more than one year. Than besides, he's inheriting Saudi's team, so I think he has to, he he needs to be able to have time, much like Pep Guardiola did at Bayern. He got the full three years. Um, you know, no one was no one was calling for his head because they only made the semifinals of the Champions League the next year. That you know, God forbid, Bayern doesn't win a, a freaking treble. Um, I, I think it's unf- I think I think um, he needs to be given the chance to mold this team into his vision. I think that that could potentially mean that Napoli take even more step backs steps back in the league, but they will advance further in the Champions League in his second year. So. I just think it's unfamiliar territory with him, and that's why I think that, that they, they might need a, a 12-month feeling out process. But uh, how do you see Napoli finishing this year? I, You know, when they signed Ancelotti, as much as I love Ancelotti as being a Milan supporter, I thought there would be a slight step back because I just didn't – I wasn't sure how their their, their differences in, in managing styles would work, you know, from a team that plays the way they were all Saudi playing, and now they got to switch to complete different tactics. So I was already unsure – 
And then with the with the, some of the signings to some of these teams uh, this summer, I that it pretty much gave me the confidence saying that I was correct and that they're going to take a step back. And I think they're going to finish third in the league um, behind. Uh, well, we'll get to who, who they're going to be behind. Obviously, Juventus. But I, I think they're going to take a slight back. And it's not because they're going to get that much worse. I just think the teams around them got better. Um, much yeah. better than they did. And, and don't get me wrong, I love the signings that Napoli did, but I think other teams got a lot better. Um, and then as far as Coppa Italia, I can see him going to the to the semifinals for sure. Um, yeah, I can see him going to semifinals. And then and then Champions League, uh, I have I have confidence in Ancelotti that he'll figure it out by the time it, it matters. Um, they're gonna uh, I I believe they'll get out of the group stage for sure. I can see him getting to the quarters. I'll say quarters. Okay, okay, quarterfinals, not bad. Uh, next team we're going to talk about is a team that basically Liverpool has pillaged the last two years, taking their Southampton. Ar- oh, good one! Yeah, it's not that. Yeah, Virgil Van Dyke and uh, let's see, Jordan Henderson and Sadio Mane. I mean, we can uh, yeah, we can go down the road. Uh, Dejan Lovren also played for Southampton. <laughs> yeah, literally the the feeder team for the Reds. Uh, uh, but no, no, in all in all seriousness, we're talking about. The, uh, the Egyptian king, Mohamed Salah, and, of course, yeah. some Brazilian goalkeeper that's tall, handsome, and dark. Um, it's a very his, – his last – his uh, first name is the first name uh, that is very common for many American women, Allison. Uh, he goes by the last name, Becker. And he was until, – until Chelsea just could not help themselves. He was the most expensive goalkeeper of all time. But Chelsea, not to be outdone, gets a goalkeeper with a lesser name, and from a smaller club, and spends more money on them. Anyways, we're talking about Roma, uh, or as I like to call them, will always be Francesco Totti's team. But anyways, uh, <laughs> the, the Roma is the uh, bastard child. I, I think maybe the wolf in their uh, crest is actually Totti, and I think the sucklings, <laughs> which is supposed to be Romulus and Remus, are that's actually like the uh, Roma like players that are like. Always sucking off the teeth of uh, of, of Totti. So <laughs> it's, he, I mean, he's an icon. Francesco Totti's an icon. I, I even as an uh, Inter supporter, I, I I love the guy. Um, he's just you know his 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 some of his quotes over the years. You know, you just you you really absence makes the heart grow fonder. And I I really I really yeah, miss I really miss number ten for uh for Roma. But anyways. Let's talk about them real quick because obviously, like I said they lost uh, Salah the year before, and they lost Allison this year. I think the goalkeeper problem could be could be an issue for them. But they also they they do they do make a few signings. Obviously, they got Patrick Schick last year. Uh, Justin Clovert from Ajax comes over. That's a big signing. I think he's going to be uh, very crucial. Uh, we mentioned it um, in our pre conversation to this pod about Cristante. He comes over from Atalanta. Was that right? Uh, yes. yes. Um, and they sign uh, Defray from uh, Sassuolo for fifteen million. It's uh, it's. I mean, I love the pickup of Clivert. Clivert and Pastore are good signings. Now you may have slightly overpaid for Pastore, but I, you, you got a deal, a steal with Clivert. Uh, Clivert could be uh, the next big talent, possibly. Uh, he he has a lineage in him w- with his dad, so um, I love that signing and. It's unfortunate, like I said, the goalkeeping seems to be the issue because they lost Alisson. They had Skorovsky in there, but they got, you know, they. I don't think he was ever going to be destined to play with him after I think some words he said about them in the past. So he got sent out. So I don't know who they're going to have in goal, but um, they also lost, you know, Rajanayangalan as well. And so 
it's it's interesting with Roma because it's good and bad. You know, they obviously lost some big keys, but they they sent some really good youngsters and uh, you know, hopefully Schick has an improvement over last year. You know, Edin Dzeko needs to have some help. Uh, he's not getting any younger, um, and so they got a they have to get a young guy, the um the Turkish player whose name is escaping me right now. Um, Genji's Unger. Yes, Unger. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, this Roma team could be a, a fun team to watch as much as maybe not as much as Napoli was last year, but they're going to be scoring some goals, I think. Um, uh, their defense is, is better than, than Napoli's was last year, uh, but I think uh, attacking wise, this is going to be a fun team to watch. Well, it's, it's, well, it's a young team. Ah, uh, see, I think, and I agree with every point you made up until you talked about the defense, because I think the defense was what the, one of the problems that I had with them last year, and I think what covered up for some of their backline woes was the fact they had Alisson, and Alisson was able to mask. Yeah, and I'm including him on the defense, is what I mean, so. Yeah, so so they, they I, I think their defense this year takes a massive step back. Well, then, yes, you're right. Yeah, because I, and, and because they, they, they have a very, uh, Thin, thin. Uh, th- there's no margin, a uh, very short margin of error there because they do not have this uh, world class keeper to to mop up the the, the mess. Uh, should should things go wrong, and I mean, they were horrendous against Liverpool, and you know, God only knows it could have been far more than seven goals had they had a lesser keeper in there. So Roma really. You know they they have some pieces in the the in midfield and offense. I agree with you on that. Jekko's not getting younger, but he still pops in a lot of goals. It's their back line just gives me nightmares. It really does. That's definitely their kryptonite for sure. So speaking about them, I you know Roma this year is the year. I think this is they they barely scrape by. I think they do finish in fourth. I think they get the last Champions League spot. They barely get it. Uh, they're gonna finish. Uh, in front, barely in front of Milan, right behind Napoli. But I do believe, honestly, uh, that they could finish behind Milan by some distance. And I mean that by seven, eight points. I don't think that, mm. whereas last season, fourth place, third place, and fifth place were all separated by basically like four points or whatever it was yeah. at the very end. Um, was it, Roma was like two points ahead of Inter. Inter was... Point even they were level on points with Lazio, but they won via tiebreaker. So last game, yeah, last game. So I I just see this. This is kind of I unless something happens drastically with the defense, I see this as kind of uh, Roma holding on for dear life in the league. And I don't see that I I Roma I see them uh, bowing out in the Coppa Italia quarterfinals. I don't think that they make it to the semis this year. And as far as it pertains to Champions League, I would not be surprised. Um, it depends on the draw, you know. It depends on yeah. It depends yeah. on the draw. But if you told me that they finished third place in their group stage and they were going down to the Europa League, it would not shock me. So I'm I'm gonna. It's hard to the, the really elite teams. We can say yes, they're going to finish first or second. Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, they're gonna they they are going to advance to the round of sixteen. We know that. That's that's a given. But for a team like Roma, that's a question mark. So I'm going to put them as either um, I'm going to put them as, as third place, even without knowing the draw. I just I, I think that they're what are they in pot three? I believe. Oh yeah, you got me. I'm not sure. About I that. think they're in the. I think they're in pot three. I know Inter's in pot four for the Champions League draw. 
So Roma could potentially get a very a very tough draw again, and you know they ended up kind of getting lucky last year. They did beat Chelsea three uh, nil, the Stadio Olimpico in the group stage. But uh, I, I just this is a t- I, I see them taking of all of the top teams that we've talked about. I see them taking the biggest step back. How do you see Roma season going? Yeah, no, that's that's a fair assessment. Um, I too think that the same, pretty much the same way. I really think in, in Syria, the battle for that fourth Champions League spot is going to come down between um, Roma, Milan, Atalanta, and Lazio. Um, oh, Atalanta, a, nice pick. Well, yeah, we get to that later. Yeah, it's going to be a dogfight, I think. Uh, so I'm going to put Roma in their fourth for now, just because they, I think, like you said, they're going to barely hang on. But I would not be surprised if any of those other three teams took that spot. Um, so we'll say fourth for now. And in Copa Italia, I'm in agreement with you. They'll get to the quarterfinals, but uh, there's, the way these other teams are built, I think they're going to be better in the tournaments. I mean, I hope I'm I hope I'm wrong because I love the players that they brought in and 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 I love their manager, but I, I don't know if I have the confidence in, in picking them. And then as far as Champions League go, um, I think they'll get through the group stages. I think they'll make it to the round of 16. I just I have confidence. I I love Isebio Di Francesco because uh, he's a brilliant tactician. Um, they hit the nail on the head with him when they got him from Sassuolo. Uh, he's a, he's one of the main reasons they got to where they were in Champions League last year is because his tactics and games. He I mean he found a way to top the group with Atleti and, and Chelsea in it, and then continue on and continue with upsets until he got to the semifinals. So um, I'll say round of 16 for Champions League. Fair enough. Uh, we're not going to go very far, uh, Richard. We're going to jump across town, and uh, actually we're going to stay in the same stadium. We're going to talk okay. about <laughs> we're going to talk about Lazio. And they had quite the uh, shitstorm to finish their season. Um, <laughs> yeah. A couple of draws against clubs they had no business drawing. And yep. uh, again, I can say this with confidence as Interisti that we really got lucky because Lazio did more for us to get the Champions League than we did for ourselves. They really shit the bed. And of course, put themselves in a position where it was a must win against Inter in the final match of the season. At home in the Stadio Olimpico, and they lose. So, and how they lost? What 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 dramatic fashion? What a what a a, a it was an epic game. That was an epic game. It was it was probably the best City Odd game of the season, and it was the yeah. last week of the season. But it also had the most on the line because, despite the 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 Juventus Napoli match, even if Juventus lost, which they did, they were still on top of the table. This was literally winner take all. It was winner-take-all, and it was such an important money grab for one of these two clubs. So they don't make the Champions League. They go to the Europa League. But their biggest transfer of the season might not be an exit or a gain. It might be the fact that they retained Milinkovic-Savic. As of this podcast, yes. Yes, well, let's yeah, watch him be sold tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Real Madrid comes in 120 million pounds, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, but no, as, as of this podcast, we, have to, we, we, we are only going by what we know right Correct. now. And, you know, next week, you and I could be doing a, a, a podcast and talking about, you know, Lazio's really in deep trouble. They're probably going to finish ninth, and this sucks. But, um. No, as of right now, their biggest transfer is neither a an addition to the squad nor a subtraction from the squad. It's just simply retaining one of the best players, uh, arguably one of the best players on the continent right now. 
And, you know, having retained him, they add a couple pieces in. Obviously, uh, you know, they get uh, Barisha from uh, Red Bull Salzburg. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Silvio Proto on a free from Olympiacos. Uh, nothing. Remisi from Real Betis. Uh, yes, correct. Uh, nothing monumental. So, uh, what are we. I, I, I see, honestly, for Lazio, they had their window of opportunity i want to say last season and it and 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 it quickly closed on them and i don't i think everyone with the exception of roma like i said i think they're taking a step back but you roma was far ahead of lazio in my opinion so it's going to take a lot more than just uh one season for lazio to catch up and i i don't see them i see milan as i said taking a step up and and they will surpass lazio this year so I, you know, they're, they're a team, I think they'll be entertaining in the league. I think that they will be a team that everyone will not want to play. I think they will obviously have the game where they take a few points from Inter or take a few points from Milan or maybe they draw Juventus because they have they have uh, been a thorn in Juventus' side. They actually, I believe, didn't they win the Supercopa last year from Juventus? Uh, last year, no. Last year, the Supercopa. Oh, Supercopa, yeah. Yeah, Supercopa, Supercopa. yeah. So they yeah. beat they beat Juventus right out the gates. Yes. So, so they, you know, Lazio is a team that um, they're, they're uncomfortable. But ultimately, that, them, them simply not having the quality of the other top five, they will lose the occasional game to Sassuolo or the occasional game to Genoa or the occasional game to Torino. So that's why I think that they're going to uh, potentially be some, some – um, some bit ahead of the mid-table, but just not enough steam to get to the top four or five. What, what are your thoughts, though, on Lazio? On paper, I think they're actually very talented. I think um, if it was just based on paper, they would make Champions League. Uh, but obviously, paper doesn't do anything. It's, it's how you play on the pitch. And one thing they are, they've been helter or skelter. They can score goals like anybody, but they give up goals like 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 the bottom feeder. So... Um, it's interesting. I mean, if they keep Milinkovic-Savic, there's a good chance they'll be right in for that Champions League spot with, with Roma and the other teams I mentioned. Um, I'm not confident they're going to keep Milinkovic-Savic. I mean, other, other windows have closed. Maybe he'll move in Italy. Who knows? Um, but, you know, well, as much as I love their attack with Luis Alberto and Ichiro Immobile, who, who scores goals like they're going out of the style, um, and Milinkovic-Savic, boss in the midfield, it's, it's hard to trust the defense. Yeah, they made improvements with Francesco Cherby they signed. Um, they got Thurmisi, like I said. They got Milan Badai from Fiorentina, which is a great free pickup. Uh, but I don't know if Inzaghi has the defensive wherewithal to to stop teams from scoring. If they figure that out, look out. Lazio are going to start challenging people, but I, they haven't done it yet. So why, why, why am I going to choose them? So I'm going to say... Whew, they're in that fourth to, fifth, fourth to sixth spot. I don't know where... I mean... For right now, I'll put them just behind Roma, and they're like tied with Milan. I'll put tied with Milan for now. <laughs> I, I mean, you're, yeah, you, you, I think you're, you're giving them, I think you're giving them a lot more credit because they haven't, they haven't passed the taste test with me, and I'm going based on, I'm going all the way back to 2014, 15, when they did, they, did fin- be, they, be, they were the first team to beat Juve at Juve in two years. Remember that. 
Understandable, but like, and 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 I don't disagree with you on that. The problem right. I have with Lazio is the same problem that I was talking about just a minute ago. Is the fact that they are capable, capable is the big word here. They're yes. capable of beating Juventus. They're capable of beating Inter. They're capable of beating Milan. And then but lose then, to Frosinone. <laughs> and then lose to Frosinone, right? Or they lose to Kievo. So you know, uh, and it's that kind of it's that kind of inconsistency that cost them the Champions League. They had a chance to bury Inter. The week before on match day thirty seven, yeah, and yeah. and they and they couldn't do it. They drew, and I I don't have the schedule in front of me, and I am drawing a fucking blank on who they played. But they had it was like Crotone or somebody like that. I think it was Crotone. I think Crotone drew them two two yeah, or something. Crotone drew them, yes. Unbelievable! All you had to do was beat Crotone, and you were in the Champions League. It's, you know, and that's and to me that's Lazio defined. They played yeah. going into the 2015-16 season. They played Bayer Leverkusen in the Champions League playoff. They lost that, uh, you know. So they haven't been in the Champions League outright in quite some time now. And I don't consider the playoff Champions League. I don't consider Hoffenheim being a Champions League squad last year. No, they lost to Liverpool in the playoff, and that's it. You didn't make it. You played Europa right. League. So, uh, you know, Lazio is just... I, I can only go off of recent history. Like you said, on paper, on paper. Well, on paper... That's FIFA bullshit. That's not actually playing the games in real time and in real life. Yeah, last year, last year Milan would have won the Scudetto with that with that lineup. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah, and I'm not even. I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, Hakan Chonolulu, You and I know him from Leverkusen. He's one of the oh, yeah. fucking free kicks are thing are things out of heaven. I mean, so yeah, Milan spent the money to win the Scudetto, and that's why you play the games on the pitch and not on FIFA or on fantasy football because it's it that's that's not how it goes. So. I I'm, until Lazio can actually pass the eye test, I I'm, I'm going to reserve. I'm, I'm not. I, I I cannot in good faith put them ahead of Milan, and I cannot also any put them anywhere near the top four. That's fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, also do not have them going past the quarterfinals in the Coppa Italia, and I think I, I do believe that they have enough talent. They will advance to the quarter quarterfinals of the Europa League. I think that they, I think they'll do uh, Italy proud again once again there. They, they have enough talent to where they should easily get past the group stage. And obviously we're, this is pure speculation on who they draw in the round of 32 and the round of 16, right, but right. they should have round of 32. You should still face someone, you know, unless it's like one of the champions league teams to drop down, which that's, that's what you don't want because that's what happened to Atalanta. They got Dortmund and Dortmund knocked them out. So, right. Um, but beyond that, you know, Lazio should still get something like uh, Bucharesti or something like that in the round of 32, and or, or maybe like um, um, Red Star Belgrade or something. Uh, so they should they should, they should be able to advance past that. But I don't see them going past the quarterfinals. And I think this is another uh, this is another as you said on paper it looks good, but maybe another year wasted where, you know, they have the talent to do something special, but they, they just can't, they just can't execute when it comes down to it. Couldn't agree more. All right. Uh, so one more team to talk about. Wait, we have two more teams to talk about in the, in the top. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Fiorentina. They went through a little bit of a roller coaster last year. Obviously, um, very tragic news hit them last season when they lost their captain, yeah, um, that that was that was terrible, and yet somehow the team rallied. You mentioned the Europa League drama that they went through. Uh, you're out. No, you're in. Now you're out again. So you know, 
I think ultimately it does benefit Fiorentina from not being in. But they have some... Um, obviously, they have Simeone. He is going to be a 20-goal scorer, I believe, this season. I think that he is on the ascent. I think he's a player that absolutely everyone should be afraid to play in Serie A. In addition, another being they get uh, Marco Piaccia from Juventus on loan. Uh, let's see, Kevin Morales from Everton. He, um, you know, on loan as well. They they did some they did some interesting things here. Fiorentina they they didn't spend a whole hell of a lot of money, but I felt like with the with what they did spend, they added some quality uh, product to their team. So can I can I tell you my favorite signing they had? Absolutely, and I, and I think will make the most of effect on their team. What's that? Alban Lafont, the goalkeeper, 19 years old. He is a, he is a wonder wonder goalie. Yeah, from Toulouse. Uh, yeah, from Toulouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's a big kid, good frame. He's probably he he could be almost as talented as, as Donnarumma and and some of the other young goalkeepers that are out there. I mean, he he's in the top five of those of the goalies in his age. Uh, that's how good he is, and I think they got they got him for a steal, and I think he's gonna help them immensely. They did 8.5 million from Toulouse, and uh, I, that's very strong praise from from Mr. Richard Carmen there, saying. He's in the same caliber as Donnarumma. That's uh, whoo! That's 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 amazing. Hopefully, he doesn't steer me wrong this this year. <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk about them for a second because they're they're they they are the ultimate they they're the ultimate in between team. They are in between the ta- the, the 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 middle of the table. They never really slip into the double digits, but they seemingly can't. Ah, they just can't seem to break into the top four or five. Constantly on the fringes of the Europa League. They dream of the Champions League. So is this another, you know, I don't want to call it a half-ass season because, you you know, if, you know, Atalanta would, would die and kill to be seventh place every single year. But uh, Fiorentina is a club that has, I believe, higher aspirations than that. But w- what's holding them back? Why can't, why can't they, why can't they get to where they want to be? It's hard. I mean, they're almost getting in the way of themselves. They got to find a manager that they're 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 happy with, and they may have him in Pioli now. Um, it's like a perfect situation for him because it's not too big of a club, right? It's a big club, but it's not like Inter or you know or Juventus or something like that. Um, so I think it's a good place for him. Um, they do have the youngsters, obviously Federico Chiesa, and and as well as uh, Diego uh, Diego Simeone, Cholito. Uh, he's there, Giovanni. So uh, Giovanni, we got yeah. the young talented players now. Uh, it just uh, can they can they prove it on the pitch? Um, it's going to be hard. I I don't know what to think of this team. They're I expect a lot out of them, but they don't they don't live up to what I expect. And I think they're going to be pretty much in the same position they were last year and out of out of Europa League because um, they're going to have shortcomings again. They they play well against the really good teams, and then kind of like Lazio against the smaller teams, they inexplicably lose or draw. So um, as much as I love the youngsters on their team, I don't know if they can. Uh, they can get to Europe. I mean, I'd love to see it do it because it's, it's, it's a it's a fan base that deserves it, or even more. But um, yeah, I don't. I just don't know if they have it. And they're they're missing pieces. I would probably say the midfield and defense. Um, I think they finally got it in goalkeeper now. And actually, their 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 two center backs are are decent. Uh, German Petzella, I, I do like a lot. And so um, yeah, it, it, they're they're missing like a, a a big name player in the midfield, someone who can boss that midfield and pull the strings. Um, maybe not Jorginho because obviously you can't afford him, but uh, someone like someone like that who can who can general the midfield and 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 get players open. So 
I don't know. So with Fiorentina, I have uh, the same thoughts about Pioli as you. I think it's it's not Inter. You know, he, before he was an Inter, he was at Lazio. That's another uh, club that teeters on big club slash, uh, you know, I don't want to say middle sized club, but like you know, uh, it's not you're not a super club. You're 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 right, a solid right. good club. And uh, he was last time that Lazio did qualify in a Champions League spot was uh, under Pioli. So, you know, perhaps he can uh, get them in that position again. I think Inter just, I mean, Inter just gave up on Pioli uh, far too quickly. But obviously, if you have Spalletti coming in, you don't really give Pioli a second look because Spalletti did some, has done some great things with Roma. Um, but that not said, I think that there is a, a ceiling for Fiorentina. And I think that that ceiling is one of the Europa League spots. I have them finishing seventh. Uh, I, I, I think that they will, they'll, they'll fit in right behind Lazio in sixth. And Milan in fifth, and I don't, I just don't think they have the quality to to, to pass either one of those clubs. And you know, Coppa, uh, Coppa Italia again, probably a quarterfinal appearance for them, and nothing in Europe. Obviously, they 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 won't get a European opportunity. But if they finish in seventh position this coming season, they will have a shot at Europe. So possibly something in the future for them to build off of. But uh, I, I do think that they they will they will steal. Richard, they will steal some big points from some big clubs. Oh, definitely. definitely. Especially when they're at home. Right. Uh, La Viola, not an easy team to play at home. And um, what are your thoughts on how they fit into the table and in the Copa Italia? Um, I don't don't think they're going to be as good as Atalanta or Milan or Lazio maybe. But uh, I don't think they're going to make any European competition. Uh, As far as Copa Italia... I mean, if they get the quarterfinals, I'd be surprised. Um, but that's, that's probably a good spot to put them. And then, you know, they missed out on Europa League. And so it's unfortunate. Had they been in Europa League, where would have where would, where would they have gone? I don't know if they would have left the group stages, I'll be honest with you. I would love to see it. I mean, it depends if they had, like, a really bad teams in their draw, which you see every now and then, then it's possible. But um, right. I'm not sure what to expect from this team just yet. And I do love Simeone and Chiesa. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just the whole team in general – uh, it's a wait and see for me. And I, like I said, I don't think Europa League again, unfortunately. Yeah, so we're talking a little bit about Atalanta here. We've mentioned them a couple times tonight. And uh, they are a Europa League team from Serie A. So we have to talk about them. They, 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 they've overachieved, like, like, you know, it's nobody's business the last couple of years. So Atalanta, this is a team that I see as the further they go in the Europa League, the more it will hurt them in Serie A. So I think an early exit out of the Europa League is because they got pillaged again in the transfer market. And that's going to happen with a club like Atalanta. They're very, yep. they're kind of a club like Freiburg in Germany that, you know, they can finish in seventh if they're at full strength, but then Maximilian Philip gets bought and then uh, Grifo gets bought and then they lose all their attacking players and their midfielders and uh, Matthias Ginter, he gets bought and he goes to Dortmund and, you know, whatever. So it's, 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 uh, what is it? Uh, constantly reloading is what Atalanta's doing. They're constantly reloading the, uh, the, the, the chambers with new bullets. And unfortunately, yeah. you know, that's not a recipe for success. It, it, it takes, it takes a, a while for a squad to get used to each other, build some chemistry. And I just think the last two summers they've been picked clean. And this is the year I think they, they, they take a step back. I, I do believe that they take Europa League seriously. I don't think that they're going there just to show up. But I do believe at the same time that, that, as I said before, the longer they're in that competition, I think it could 
potentially hurt them in the league table. I, I think that their team, they could. I had them finishing tenth this year in the league. I, I really Ooh, tenth. Yeah, because I I think that Atalanta was. I, I think that they really tasted something special in the Europa League, and I think that Dortmund loss really hurt them. And you know, especially losing at home. And of all players, Marcel fucking Schmelzer is the player that knocks you out. Marcel Schmelzer, <laughs> who most Dortmund fans are happy he gave up the captaincy and are happy that he's being relegated to a backup role. And this guy knocked you out of the uh, Europa League in Bergamo? That's, that's terrible. So I don't believe that they're going to concede. I don't think they put up any white flags in the Europa League. I think they're going to go out all out for it. And unfortunately, I do think that that's going to hit them in the league. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I agree with you. We saw what happened last year. They went out for Europa League, and their their league play suffered. They were they dropped into you know below mid table, and then once they got out, they skyrocketed back up the table and made it to made it to Europa League. Um, so I I'm agreeing with you there. Um, yeah, it's I like this team a lot. As long as Giampiero Gasparini is their manager, I'm gonna have faith in them because he knows how to find these players out of nowhere. And and then and then bring his team up. I mean, the the, te- the players they lost this offseason, I mean, they they're, they're hurt. Obviously, Cristante, Yasmin Kurtic, uh, Andrea Petania, and then they just those retool with somebody else you never heard of, and then skyrocket up the table again. So, I'm gonna say they're they're in that mix with like I said before between you know Roma, Lazio, and Milan. They're gonna be in there somewhere. And I think they're gonna make Europa League this year. Um, and well, what what are they gonna do in Europa League? Honestly, I mean, it's best, like you said, to, to get out early and then focus on the league because that way you have better better chance of, you know, assuring Europa League. But um, I could see them getting maybe maybe the quarterfinals depending on the draw. Yeah, the draw yeah, 16. yeah, yeah. I see, I see that as well. I, I'm in total agreement with you there. Copatalia, they uh, probably quarterfinals. I don't think I'm going to be at semifinals because there's just so many good teams in Serie A. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. All right, so... Yeah, it's time. It's it, it's time, Richard. It's time to talk about Inter. Oh, I thought it was over. No, 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 no. We got to talk about Inter. So we had the best season. Uh, excuse me, the best Mercato ever. Uh, we signed. We signed. Uh, we signed. Oh my God! Look at the signings. Stevan Devry. As soon as the Lazio ass whooping is over at the end of the season last year, we signed him on a free transfer. We didn't pay a cent. Uh, we signed Lataro Martinez from a racing club for 23 million. He has uh, taken like a fish to water. He is Mauro Cardi's new best buddy, and they are scoring goals galore in the uh, preseason. Uh, on top of that, we signed from Roma uh, Raja Nangolan, who will be the midfield enforcer. Uh, Quadro Asamoa on a free from Juventus. Uh, Rosalco from Atletico Madrid, who had himself one hell of a World Cup, and now he will uh, wear the shirt of the Nerazzurri. And we signed Luka Modric from... Oh, sorry. We didn't sign him yet. I, 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 I apologize. I, I jumped the gun there. And you got rid of Ed there. Yeah. Oh, that's that's glorious. That's that's addition by subtraction. Uh, no, in all seriousness, Matteo Politano from Sassuolo. That's another um, player that we uh, acquired this offseason. Yeah. Um. Even as a Milanisti, as a Rossoneri, you have to admit, uh, Inter really did some great business this summer uh, so far. We have yet to see them play a single match. Obviously, the season hasn't started yet. But if you look at it, as you said, about 
uh, Lazio on paper, you have to admit that Inter did some good things here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, Inter did fantastic. Um, if it wasn't for a guy named Ronaldo, you guys would have the best window, I would think. Uh, but um, yeah, you guys did immense, and and because of the moves that you made, that's why I rate them so high this upcoming season. Um, now they may do inter things and and not do that, but I I have full confidence in oh, and like, inter things like win the trouble. Well, I was gonna say <laughs> choke, but anyway, uh, if, if if Icardi and Parishes stay healthy, the sky is the limit with this with this team. Um, I think those two guys are so pivotal for you guys, and we saw what happened last year when they when they went out or they got or they or the well drew up. The team suffered because of it. Icardi leads this team. Parisic is just an amazing player, and you need those two guys to continue leading the charge and stay healthy. Uh, so that's going to be the big thing for me. But the signings you guys made, I mean, Rajan Angolan and, and Laturo Martinez and all these guys you mentioned, I mean, fantastic, fantastic window. Now, can they gel together? That's the key. Let me, ask, that last year. let me ask you this, Richard. So last year, at, at certain points of the season, Icardi had a, had a tribute. He accounted for more than 50% of Inter's entire goals scored. That yeah. was the highest in all of Serie A by a long shot. So it became the knock on Inter that they were Icardi dependent. So do you think that Martinez gives Inter uh, some kind of uh, sense of security that if, if Icardi does miss the occasional match, uh, whether that's being rested or whether that's you know for the uh, occasional nick or, or banged up injury you know that takes a week or two to heal, is there light at the end of the tunnel that they don't collapse if Icardi is not on the pitch? You would think so. With Latoro Martinez, Rajana Angolan can score. Obviously, Ivan Parasic. Um, they have players there that can score. Um, obviously, Icardi is still going to be the horse, um, no doubt about it. But they have enough players in there talent-wise that should be not, you know, should his well dry up for some reason or he gets injured or he's resting, they have guys there who can score. Maybe not at the same rate, but... Um, because he's just a, such a fantastic player. But uh, I think Inter are in a much better position this year than they were last year, for sure. Uh, yeah, most definitely. I think uh, it was uh, pivotal for Spalletti to get into the Champions League, get Inter. Uh, I think, I think I won't say for sure, but for many, his job depended on that. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not you know... I, I'm not the kind of person that agrees on firing or sacking a manager after one season. And I think if he would have lost to Lazio, I think that would have been an admirable season finishing in fifth. I mean, because with that squad that he had last year, it's about the best that I think could have been expected. I think they uh, overachieved to start the season and that put them in a position to where I think there was a false sense of security for them. They had one of the worst two-month stretches and that I can remember in recent years from late December until February. And they were basically drawing every single team under the sun. They weren't losing, but they were drawing everybody. And that's two points every week you're dropping. And that's two points that Milan was making up and two points that Roma was going ahead. Yeah. And, and so they gave Lazio and Milan and Roma a window to not only gain on them, but surpass them. And Inter found themselves at a position after match day 37, where they were in the Europa League. So, you know, I think it was crucial that they made the fourth place, which they did, and got the Champions League. And, and, and you know, it's, it's a positive momentum swing. As you said, Milan is heading in the right direction. Well, so too is Inter. And I think it's massively crucial that those two teams, as much as Dortmund and Bayern are pivotal to the success 
of the Bundesliga. I think the both the Rossoneri and the Nerazzurri are crit- critical to the success of Serie A, and the league is better off with a strong Milan. Not just one or two, one one of those, but both of them. So, I know you really. I know you meant to say Schalke and not Bayern, but I'll forgive you. Sorry, um, so, yeah, Schalke and Dortmund. No, sorry. but I, but I agree <laughs> with you. But both Milans need to be strong to be in it. The one one thing that you guys have going against you, and it's Spalletti in his second season with his teams tend to regress. But with the signings you guys made, I don't think that'll be a problem. Um, but that's just the history of Spalletti. He tends to regress in that second year because players grow tired of his antics or whatnot. But like I say, the players you brought in, he brought in players that he's familiar with, like Nayan Golan and Politano. So um, I, I think you guys are going to have a fantastic season. Uh, Icardi had, he said something last year that uh, Spalletti gave him the most confidence that he's ever had in his life. Uh, uh, Icardi apparently became a huge fan of Spalletti. And, that's good. That's good. And that's, yeah, and that's what I was touching on is the fact that, that you know, maybe you can teach an old dog new tricks. You know, maybe Spalletti's learned from his uh, past regressions Roma and stuff like that where yeah. you know you don't want to piss off I, Spalletti had a well-known feud with Totti and that did not go over well with a lot of the Roma supporters because that splits the club you know that guy is an icon the last thing you want to do is have someone who <laughs> won the only Scudetto in the modern like in the 21st century for Roma to be pissed off at you this guy's a World Cup winner Scudetto winner and he's the face of Roma for now until all eternity. And Spalletti had kind of an open war of words with him a couple of years ago, especially as it pertained to him starting in the minutes he got on the pitch. So Incardi seems to be on the same page with Spalletti uh, as of now. So we'll, we'll see, as you said, if that continues. But they made some some great signings. And the thing that they the, – the one thing I say that they're still missing – is at left back. I think that they addressed their right back issues because they got Rosalco. That allows D'Ambrosio to be uh, a reserve right back, which I think is a great role for him because he's not a bad player. But in an article that I wrote last week, he's just a good player to a mediocre player. He's never going to be great because he will have the occasional moment of brilliance and then follow it up with something completely idiotic. And... That's uh, that's he's the Socrates of of, Int- <laughs> of, of, of of Inter. Yeah, sorry, I had to cheap cheap uh, slap at Socrates there. But uh, the center back position obviously was addressed, loaded, lo- loaded. loaded at center back, but left back, left back is still a question mark. And I like I like Asamoah. I think he he'll quite. I don't know that he's going to play left back. The, I mean, the, yeah. the the rumors are that he could be moved up into midfield. So if he mm-hmm. plays at left back, I will agree with you that I have full faith and confidence in that position. But from everything, you know, some of the things that I've read, and, you know, this is from people who are near to the club to people who just are inter diehards, they seem to, there seems to be a popular belief that Asma will actually play in the midfield over the left back position, although he can certainly fill that role. But do it, you see with the three center backs that they have that they switch to a three back system and have the wing backs as far you know like Asamoa and Versalco on the right wing and left wing backs? Honestly, I could see that, and because Versalco tried it and failed, by the way, uh, they they did. But Versalco, the thing about Versalco is he, so he's he's patient. He plays he plays from the back. He does not jump. He doesn't as as a um, overlapping right back. He does not uh, run ahead of the play. He lets the play develop in front of him. He finds uh, he has a, a very good 
uh, decision-making ability, finds teammates in open space, and he's not the best crosser in the world, but he's damn sure better than Kondreva, who just basically puts a thousand crosses into the box and prays for one of them to, to hit somebody in the head and maybe maybe score a goal. by. And that can be, by the way, an own goal. He doesn't really care who it is. Uh, might be off Icardi. <laughs> it might be off uh, Higuain. Who knows? Uh, so... So he's just, you know, basically uh, uh, praying that, that, that something hits a target. But, um, you know, I, you could play Vasalcos as a right wing back. You could play Osamoa as a uh, left wing back and go to a three-man back line with the three center backs. So I can see what you're talking about. I just don't know that Spalletti – I still think Spalletti's so hung up on that 4-2-3-1 and plays the double pivot, puts uh, Brozovic as a double six – which he thrived in that role last season. Brozovic had a yeah, really, Brozovic really... great. Yeah, so I, I don't think that... Uh, I, I, I would be willing to try it and see what happens uh, in real in real game time. So, you know, in, in, a, in a regular season Serie A match. But I think Spalletti is just all about the 4-2-3-1. However, with a 3-5-2, you could put Martinez and Icardi up front together in some situations. So I think that's a deadly combination. There you go. But, you know, I'm not the manager, so, <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, no, neither am I. <laughs> so, so we can speculate all day on that. But um, I have Inter finishing in second place. I have them advancing to the Coppa Italia final. And I have them advancing to the Champions League quarterfinals. I thought you were going to say finals. <laughs> uh, well, uh, one can only hope. Hey, it took us a while under Mancini and Mourinho to get to the finals. So let's, uh, you know... I, let's give it some time, but eventually we will um, we will be in contention for the treble again, sir. Uh, but not this year, not this year. So second place in the league, uh, uh, I, I have them losing in the final to Juventus in the Coppa Italia, and I had them bowing out in the quarterfinal. Which, if all those things come true, I think that's a fucking fantastic year for Inter. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. Um, I too have them finishing second in the league uh, behind Juventus, and I think it'll be close too. Um, I hope, I'm hoping it is. I'm hoping the top four are really close to each other. Anyway, uh, as far as Coppa Italia, uh, I too have Inter in the finals against Juventus. And then Champions League, ooh, um, I am going to say quarterfinals. Quarterfinals, okay. I feel like I've come up against a big team and it'll be hard. It'll be close, but I think they're just going to... Yeah, I think they'll run up against like a Barca or somebody in the quarterfinals. When you're in the final Or Schalke or something. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, we laugh at that. If you remember, Schalke whooped their ass. um, Oh, I don't forget. In the Champions League that one... Was it uh, 2011 or 2012? 2012, yeah. Yeah, they... uh, Schalke beat them 5-2, I think it was, or something like that. Yeah, Yeah, just... Yeah, total embarrassment there. I, I... I almost jumped off a building that day, but not quite. Um, so let's uh, let, let's. So we have basically our. To- if, if I'm going to give you my top, my top seven. Uh, so to summarize, so Juventus one, Inter two, three is uh, Napoli, four Roma, five Milan, six is Lazio, and seven Fiorentina. Where what your uh, top seven there? I was kind of on the fence with with four through six. So I guess I have to make some picks now. Um, number one, I'm gonna say Juventus. Two, Inter. Three, Napoli. Four, Roma. So we're in agreement there. Yep. Uh, in five, ooh, um, I'm gonna say Milan. Mm-hmm. Uh, six, Lazio. Seven, Atalanta. Atalanta. Okay, so no no Europe again for uh for, for Fiorentina. That's yeah, uh, yeah. Unfortunately. 
All right, so real quick, we're just going to talk uh, just very briefly about the relegation battle because you have uh, these teams like Torino and uh, Genoa and Sampdoria that are just, you know, they're not that we don't respect them, but they're, you know, uh, for the for the time restraints we have on the show and, you know, we, we, we do like to give you as much in-depth analysis as we can, but we are limited to some time. So we can't do that for all the teams. So just understand that, they're probably going to finish somewhere between 8 and 17. But what we're focusing on right now is number 18, 19, and 20. So uh, we found out today, Richard, that Parma will not be docked the five points to start the season. And for me, and for me having Parma back in the league is just as much uh, – just having them in the league is as big as having Milan and Inter successful in the league uh, because I think that Serie A is a better place with Parma. They are one of the traditional – uh, Serie A teams that changes things for me because I was going to pick them to be in the relegation zone had they had to make up a two-game deficit out of the gates now that that is not the case I actually think Palma survive um, I think that you're gonna have Frosinone, Kevo, and potentially um, and I had my I had them right here um I should write it down. Um, I don't know why I can't think of this right now. Empoli? No. Cagliari? Yeah, it was it was Cagliari. Yeah, yeah, Cagliari. Um, I know a lot of people disagree with Cagliari, but they've been flirting with disaster for a couple of years now. I think a lot of people think they they. I think a lot of people think they got better. Uh, Empoli actually was damn good in Serie B last year, so yeah. I'm 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 gonna hold I'm I'm gonna hold off on on on. I think they can safely finish somewhere above 18. I think Cagliari finishes uh, 18th. I have Frosinone finishing 19th, and just because they're the piss ants of the league, I'm gonna have Chievo Verona finishing in dead last. City <laughs> uh, Stadium, and that's where Ronaldo, by the way. Oh, and and so for everyone that's trying to uh, that's wondering, Kievo, it would be really unprofessional of us to 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 omit this. Kievo is actually fighting right now for their Serie A survival. In typical Italian fashion, they we don't know who the twenty teams actually are right now for Serie yeah. A. Uh, a week before the season starts, Kievo Kievo Verona is still seeing whether they are going to be relegated to Serie B. Um. And that would, I believe, Richard, correct me if I'm wrong, that would mean Crotone comes back yep, up. Yep, yep, yep. I'm so, for that. So, Cristiano Ronaldo, who is scheduled to make his Serie A debut against Kivo Verona next weekend, may in fact not make his Serie A debut against Kivo Verona next weekend. Uh, that match has been sold out, from my understanding, but it might be all for naught because they might be playing Cittadella instead of playing uh, uh, Juventus. So let's just assume that Kievo stays up. Uh, Richard, real quick, who do, you, who do you have going down this year and making the drop? I think the sexy pick, I don't know how sexy is even the right word, is to pick Parma going back down. Uh, I'm kind of with you. I love Parma in Serie A, and I think they're going to stay up somehow magically. Um, the teams that I have going down, I have Frosinone going back down, even though they were decent in, in Serie B. Um, I have uh, Kievo. I think they're going to go down. So and if you rank them, Frosinone, oh, I'll say Cagliari will be 18. 
I will say Frozen. No, I'll say Kievo 19, and then Frozenone in 20. I think uh, Empoli, as of right now, they've kept their two, you know, magical strikers from last season. They're still on the team, so Empoli, I think, are still going to do well. They're not going to be, you know, challenging for Europa League or anything, but they're going to they're going to be safely in in Syria. Um, and I think Parma is as well. So yeah, it's the same. I have the same bottom three as you. And I would I would assume that if Crotone comes up, that they're surviving. Really? I say Spall goes down. Yeah, yeah, Spall. I had forgotten about Spall. Uh, I, you know, that's those Spall got they, a lot of players. They got a lot of players. That's gonna be hard. They to did, and they 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 got better. But at the same time, they're still Spall. Um, yes, that's true. <laughs> so so my yeah my my you know. If Cotone comes up, isn't that that's is that not a disservice to them? Because you know you prepare for Serie B because you think the entire summer you're going to be in Serie B, and then at the last minute you find out you're in Serie A. I know you want to be in the top flight, no doubt about it. That's it. it, it, it that would be completely ignorant of me to say that they. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll stay down here. It's fine. But they have prepared zero to be in that position. They were thinking they were going to play teams, you know, like Hellas Verona. And Benevento. Instead, they're going to be playing teams Juventus, Inter, Milan. Um, that's Inter, comma, Milan, by the way. Not Inter, Milan, but Inter, comma, <laughs> Milan. Um, so, is that, is, I mean, real quick, is that, is that not sort of a, I mean, it's not a disservice to them because they come back up. But, I mean, how, how, could, how could they possibly stay up? Um, it's if, difficult, yeah. It'll be difficult. They're going yeah. to get beaten up, at least in the beginning. I mean, they're, they, they've, they've shown that they can... Uh, you know, rally the troops at the end of the season, but it's how much of a beating will they take in the beginning of the season if they say if they're promoted? Yeah, that's uh, I agree with you. That that well that and we'll, we'll the verdict stays on that. So two things we're looking out for, people. We're looking to see if Kievo stays up and if Cotone stays down, and we're also looking to see if Lazio can retain their greatest asset. Uh, and we may come back with you <laughs> next week and tell you that they didn't. Um, <laughs> So, uh, real quick, Richard, um, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and tell them uh, quickly about the uh, Serie A sit-down podcast. So, uh, you can find me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. And, uh, yeah, Serie A sit-down. We talk all things Serie A. And, and towards the end of the season, we've been talking a little bit Serie B. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we go in-depth about every team. So, um, there's no team we, we try to leave out. We try to, talk, try to give each team their spotlight. So, uh, yeah. If you are, if you love Serie A, which I assume you do because you're listening to this, um, you'll definitely love uh, Serie A. Sit down, so check it out. Absolutely, guys, check it out, and don't forget to check out as well. Uh, we are next week on Thursday night. We are going to preview the Bundesliga season. Yeah, we have another preview coming up, and it's going to be the German top flight, and we're going to have some great guests on there. Uh, I'm going to invite Aiden Reed back to the show, so he's going to come back on. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk everything about how Bayern's getting relegated, how Dortmund are winning the uh, Bundesliga for the first time since 2012, <laughs> how Schalke will finish an oh-so-close second place to Dortmund, and how <laughs> RB Leipzig are the new darlings of the Bundesliga as they finish in the Champions League spot. Never mind. Oh, none of that shit's going to happen. We're just kidding. Um <laughs> So yeah, we're going to predict... Actually, the Bundesliga preview is going to happen. That, that, that in fact, will happen. So that'll be next week. Uh, until then, uh, I want to wish everybody a good night. Have a great week. And we will see you here again on the Kings of Europe. Same time, same place. Have a good night. Thanks, Richard. <laughs>